Welcome to The Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We have a new website we want to steer you to. It is SavingEvangelicals.com. It links you to the website TestYourTestimony.com. There you'll find an interactive experience that guides you in testing your testimony of saving faith. 2 Corinthians 13.5 commands that those in the church do just that. Test yourselves, it says, and see whether you're in the faith or don't you know that Christ is in you unless you fail the test. So go to SavingEvangelicals.com or TestYourTestimony.com and take the test. And now to God's Word. Today we're considering the local church at worship from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and as a part of our study, we begin with a review of the primary passages in the New Testament that speak on the topic of tongues. Hang on to your Bibles and let's see how far we can get in the next 13 minutes considering what the Bible teaches about tongues. First, in Mark chapter 16, verse 17. There, the Lord Jesus, just before he ascends into heaven, promises that he is going to ascend into heaven and that he's going to pour out, as he is, after he ascends into heaven, he's going to pour out a gift upon those who believe in the message of those who tell the story of his gospel to others. He tells the apostles that they're going to go and share his gospel, and those who believe in their message are going to be granted various powers, and one of the powers that they're going to be granted is the ability to speak in new tongues. The word tongues there is basically in the Greek languages. And of course, they could have wondered, I wonder what that is. What is this new tongue? What's this new language? But that's the first place that we have tongues mentioned in the New Testament in the Bible. The next is found in Acts chapter 2. There the church is gathering together. It's 10 days after the Lord has ascended into heaven. And they've gathered together in an upper room and they're praying and they're asking the Lord to bestow upon them this gift of the Holy Spirit that he said he was going to send to them. He told them they were to tarry in Jerusalem and that at Jerusalem, as they gathered, he would pour out this gift. And so they had tarried. They had remained there, these Galileans mostly, instead of going to their homes. They were saying, Lord, send this. Send your gift to us. Let us receive it. And we're told as they're in that upper room, all praying together, that the room begins to shake and that visible images of flames of fire came down upon their heads and they began to speak with other tongues. You'll find that in verse 4. Then these Christians were filled with a sense of ecstasy and praise and they rushed out into the streets of Jerusalem and they began to lift up their voices in praise of God and maybe they didn't even know it, but they were speaking in these other tongues. It seems apparent they were Galileans. They didn't even know what they were saying. They were just lifting up their praise, but it was coming out of their mouths. It was coming out of their mouths in this ecstatic language. But the people who were in Jerusalem at that time, it was the time of Pentecost, who were from all kinds of different multiple countries that had gathered around for that feast, they spoke multiple languages, and they heard this great noise and commotion, and they were gathered that was taking place in the street as these people were crying out and lifting up their praise and exalting their voices to God. And they actually heard them speaking in their languages. And so they said, we hear them, verse 11, we hear them speaking in our tongues, our languages, the wonderful works of God. Now that's what was coming out of their mouths. In this ecstatic praise, they were lifting up an exaltation of the wonderful works of God in their lives. Now we go on, we find the next reference to tongues is in Acts chapter 10, verses 45 through 46. Peter, 
has been reluctant to go and bring the gospel to Gentiles. He's been willing to go and bring it to Jews, but he feels that the Gentiles are unclean. God gives Peter a vision, and in the vision he has a sheet come down below him that's full of all kinds of unclean foods, and God says, Peter, eat all of that food. And Peter understands it. God is declaring to him that the Gentiles are not unclean. In fact, right after that, a knock comes at his door. Two men have come. There's a man named Cornelius who's had a vision that there's a man named Peter that's to come and tell them the way of Jesus Christ or the truth. And these men come and invite him to go to Cornelius' house. That's a miracle in itself. He goes, and he goes to that meeting. And there he goes to meet with Cornelius. As he goes to meet with Cornelius, Cornelius has all of his family gathered around and all of his neighbors and friends. There Peter begins to proclaim to them the good news of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done and how he's come to save them. And as he speaks to them, we read in verses 45 and 46 these words. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard. And those of the circumcision, the Jews who came along, who believed, were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. And how do they know that? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. There's no pause where Peter says, now could we pause here and let me share with you a prayer of faith that you can pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's no prayer of faith that's given. He's still proclaiming this message that Jesus Christ has come and died for our sins and risen from the grave. And they're hearing this truth. And as they're hearing this truth, the Spirit of God meets them and pours faith in their heart to believe and accept it for themselves. And as they accept it, the gift of the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them. There is in this small gathering of individuals, this miraculous event where all of them simultaneously just begin magnifying God in tongues. Who knows? Maybe they were speaking in Hebrew. And that's why all the Jews recognized what these Gentiles were saying. We don't know. It doesn't say. Acts chapter 19, verse 6, gives us another reference to tongues. Paul is visiting Ephesus. There, a group of individuals have been gathered together who have professed that they are following the Messiah. It seems from the passage that these individuals are Jews. As he begins to inquire of them, he's got some questions in his mind. He begins to ask them, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they answer to him, we don't even know who this Holy Spirit is. We've never even heard of such a thing as a Holy Spirit. And so as he inquires further, he finds out that these individuals, they've been baptized, but they were baptized in the baptism of John the Baptist. There were individuals who were inspired by the life of John the Baptist John the Baptist came saying, the Messiah is coming after me, the Messiah is coming after me. And these individuals, under that inspiration, went out throughout the world and the region to the Jewish communities throughout the Western world that they lived in and proclaimed this message of John the Baptist and led men to be baptized. These were disciples of John the Baptist to be baptized, saying, we know we have sin in our life and we want to be clean and we want to be ready for the coming of the Messiah, the Christ. And so these individuals said they believed in the Christ, but they'd never really heard who he was. Their baptism was just uh, repented. We're ready for God to send His Savior to us. And so Paul preaches Christ to them. And then he leads them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. A demonstration, not that they're repenting of sins only, but that they're receiving the infilling of Christ's own life for themselves. And then after he does that, we're told that he laid hands on them. And we're told the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Now let's go to the next passage. Actually, there's no other passages. That's it. That's all the passages that you'll find in the Bible on tongues. 
That's all of them related to you. You'll find many more, many, 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 many more on prophecy and other gifts. But this is what you'll find on the gift of tongues, just these that I shared with you. This block of passages in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, where we find it mentioned and dealt with a little more fully in chapter 14. And then these passages that I've read to you in Mark and in Acts, speaking of the gift of tongues. So let's look at those four references that we've looked at, plus this block in 1 Corinthians, and let's just make a couple of notes about this gift of tongues. This is more instructional, I know, but there are things that we can't bypass these passages. We need to understand these things. The first thing we need to know is this, that this, was, this gift was first given to all the church that was assembled together on the day of the Pentecost. That's what we see. It was given to all the church that was assembled on the day of Pentecost. The second thing we notice here is that it came upon some of the church on different occasions. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, we're reminded that it's a gift that's in the church, but not everyone has it. Those are things we need to recognize. Another thing we can say is this. What a person says when they're speaking in tongues, in languages, can be understood by those who know the language that's being used. That's why in Acts chapter 2, Parthenians and Medes and Elamites and Cretans and Arabs and a number of other individuals of other regions around the known world that day said they heard them speaking in their own language. They heard the first outbreak of the gift of tongues on the day of Pentecost and they understood the word of exaltation and praise that was coming from the lips of these Christians on that day because they were speaking in their language. So the gift of tongues can be understood by those who understand the language It also can be understood by individuals who have been given by God the unique gift, another gift, to interpret those tongues. And so that's why Paul even says you might pray that you are given the gift of interpretation. Now, I know what interpretation is. I've traveled to over 40 different countries. I travel every year to different countries. And I only speak one language, and I don't speak it that well. It's American. I speak English. I always have to have an interpreter. And what he has to do is take what comes as just foreign, strange, gibberish to individuals, and that person knows what I'm saying, and he then shares it with another individual. And by the way, I believe I actually have spoke through individuals who don't have the gift of interpretation. I remember on one occasion, it's actually kind of an embarrassing thing. You know, you tell the churches that you're working with, listen, we need to have somebody who can speak English. We need someone to interpret for us. And so they tell you, we've got somebody. Don't worry about we have somebody. And then you find out that it's some little community and somebody has understood just yes, no, you know, just a few phrases in English. And he's buffaloed everybody in the church into thinking that you know, he has all the linguistic abilities to speak English. And, and then when you come, you realize that he's been, you know, He's not really what he's advertised. They hadn't been able to judge it. They didn't know. And this person doesn't have the gift of interpretation. He doesn't know how to interpret. There are other individuals you meet who actually know English very, very well. And yet when you speak, they don't have the gift of interpretation either. You know why? Because they might accurately be able to say what you're saying, but they can't pick up the spirit in your words. They can't reflect the energy or the spirit of God working through your language. But then there are other individuals who have the gift of interpretation. As you're speaking, they're alongside of you speaking, and you're like two pistons. And God begins to speak through you, and you know you recognize God's anointing on what you're saying, and you feel as what you're saying is moving through you into their lips, and there's no interruption in the thought. Well, I believe that that at least is one expression 
of the gift of interpretation. Well, there may be others. There may be those individuals who are miraculously, and I think that's what Paul's speaking here, pray that you have the gift to interpret. There's persons who give this miraculous ability to understand what it is they're saying. But here's what I say. It can be understood by the people who know the language or individuals who have uniquely been given this gift of interpretation. Here's another thing. This gift seems to pour out into hearts as they're filled with awe and ecstasy and wonder before God. In other words, this is a language and a gift that's particularly expressed when an individual is exalting and enraptured in the manifest presence of God descending upon their lives. And as it's happening to them, they just burst forth in this ecstatic praise. So very interesting. They don't even know exactly what they're saying. All they know is they're releasing this praise and this ecstasy and wonder before God and this enraptured exaltation before Him. And Paul even says it. They don't know what they're saying. So he says, you pray with your tongue and my spirit prays, but my understanding is not benefited by it. I don't even know what I'm saying. They don't understand it. It's just an ecstatic expression of praise. I think we can see that. I don't know exactly why God does this. Why would God, for example, have allowed the early church when they came out to have begun speaking in all these other tongues? We know something of it. It's a sign to those people that were gathered around, the unbelievers. But why does God put these tongues upon men, these other languages? Well, you know, the Bible says that there's coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue, every language confess. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.